Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. This week we take two bites out of the Big Apple with New York Ripper and Manhattan Baby. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to themidnightdrivein at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food or drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Drive away your worries and cares at this drive-in theater. That's why, to familiarize you with the movie rating symbols which will be used by this theater, we present the following guide for parents and young people. X, no one under 17 admitted. Fucking machines. It's going to be the end of us all. We knew that going in. I will I will point out that uh, I did pass my test, so my name has cool postscript letters on it now. So you guys have to refer to me as Noah CFCS from now on. <laughs> yeah, that won't be happening. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just stick with asshole like I've always used it. Uh, asshole CFCS, sir. <laughs> it's, it's Mr. Asshole CFCS, sir. Right. Yeah, it's Mike. awesome. I went on vacation. I came home with a chest cold. Well, that's pretty normal. Yeah, fucking blows. Yeah, my kid had a cold, and I think I have it now. So it's called airport. Yeah, but you gotta wear a mask. Figured that would have helped. Yeah, it mask mask helped to a certain extent. Being on the airplane's actually not that bad for uh, like viruses and stuff in the air, but being in the airport terminals, hot garbage. It's just too many people. Yeah, I will agree with that. I fucking hated traveling. Yeah, people are terrible. And being near them is annoying. So anyways, I missed you guys. It's been a long time. It's been a long time. It's been a week and a half. Calm the fuck down. All right. It's been three episodes of uh, Moon Knight. Has it? Oh, I haven't seen today's yet. We're recording on the day one came out that I haven't seen yet. Yeah. Mm. It was probably the most interesting because uh, honestly, we'll get to it, I guess. But I've been kind of bored with it up till about the last ten minutes of this episode. Interesting. It just disappoints me. It's been so good. <laughs> we'll talk about it later. No, it's, they spent four episodes going. We need to get somewhere, and then they got to Egypt, and it took three episodes to get there. I don't see, but I feel I I don't know. I just I don't feel that way. I feel like each episode's kind of been its own thing and it's done something interesting this has been probably my least favorite marvel show so far fuck you brian (laughs) (laughs) i'm i'm withholding judgment because i still don't entirely understand the show (laughs) if if it eventually starts to make sense then i'll appreciate it more but i will just say the last 10 minutes of this episode is what i've been wanting to happen for the last four episodes Right. If they put more of that stuff in, I would have been happier. Yeah, the comic, the comic book run that I was telling you, you guys, that I thought that they were going for—that's pretty much what that is. 
Which I feel like is good for that comic book run, but I feel like for a show where you're discovering this character for the first time, this is a bad storyline to go go with. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. There's there's still there's still two things in this show that I don't quite I'm not grasping what they're doing with, and I don't know. Get there eventually, like Crowley. I don't understand what they're doing with Crowley. Crowley should have had more of a part in the show by now. And instead you've seen him twice and both times he's in gold paint and sitting perfectly still. Uh, but I guess speaking of ancient Egyptian curses and people, with multiple personalities, should we talk about these week's movies? Yeah. Segway. <laughs> well done. Brian. Uh, uh, Very yeah. well done. You haven't missed a beat. That's what that's what relaxing for a week on a beach will do for you. Next week it'll be terrible. <laughs> that makes sense to me. I might have my first day of going back to work tomorrow. It blows. Oh no. Um, all right. Doug, do you want to tell us about New York Ripper? Since I learned on Instagram this is your first time watching it. Sorry, did you not know that one going in? Is that no. relevant to our discussion? No, it's just I'm curious what you thought because it's a very weird movie. And if you had no idea going in that the killer talks like Donald Duck, I imagine that kind of probably blew your mind when the movie started. Yep, yep, it did. So, um, yeah, the plot isn't... There's not much to say about the plot. It is a movie where um, people are being killed and we... Sort of our main character, I guess, is the police detective that's looking into it. But it's one of these weird giallos where there's like a whole bunch of characters and some of them don't really seem to have that much to do with the plot. And uh, the whole movie is just killings happen and then people trying to figure out who did the killings. And it does that sort of uh, typical giallo thing where we're like, I think it's this guy. That guy, it turns out, was dead before the last killing happened. So... It can't have been him. It must be this other guy. And that's pretty much it. I mean, plot wise, this movie isn't about plot. Let's put it that way. No. Right. The, so the I, killer is calling in, speaking at a Donald Duck voice for some reason that I have yet to be able to figure out what the connection between Fulci and Donald Duck is. But this is the second time we've been discussing one, one the, of his films and brought up Donald Duck. It's the <laughs> Donald Duck phone on his daughter's bed. At the end of the movie. Yeah, but something's going on with Fulci, right? Because you guys remember in Don't Torture a Duckling, there was a Donald Duck reference in that as well. Listen, Fulci's just got his things he's into. Like sexual violence. Sexual violence and Donald Duck? That's it? Those are his things? In which I would say this, this is the movie that it gets real hard to argue that it's not true. Like, whenever people talk about Fulci and they're like, yeah, he seems to be a little bit of a, a, a masochist whose movies tend to be about torturing women. And it's like, no, no, no. And they're like, what about New York Ripper? And they're like, okay, well, New York Ripper, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty inarguable here. Um, this movie has a number of kill scenes where the women happen to be naked during them. It has a character who seemingly wanders New York city looking for weird sexual situations to find herself in, <laughs> including arguably the most awkward toe, toe raping scene I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, 
if you guys know of more awkward yeah. toe rape scenes, then you let me know. But I don't. I'm sure there's one in a, a Quentin Tarantino movie. But yeah. yeah. So for people who haven't seen the movie, when I say toe rape, I mean she gets raped with a guy's toe in public. Somewhere along the line, starts to enjoy it. But then somebody moves the table that they're under. So now that she's exposed, now she's horrified by the idea of other people in the restaurant finding out that she's being toe raped. That's the part she finds offensive. So she gets up and runs away. And all the men just start laughing at her. Well, sure, because it's hilarious. Um, What the fuck? That's what is going on in that scene. Can anybody explain it to me? No. All right. (laughs) All right. Listen, listen, that. The moral of this movie is that women are sexual creatures and because of that deserve to die horribly. I'm pretty sure that's what Fulci was going for. It does and seem... it's like I said, pretty hard to say that that's not what's going on in this movie. That's yeah. I mean, the movie is I, I have heard a lot of talk about how like 80s slashers and stuff are like anti-women and I've always argued against it. This movie is like the example where you're like, yeah, no, I can't like get sure that one. <laughs> it's I don't I don't know what else to say. Like, it's yeah, this whole movie is just an excuse to watch women get killed. And there's something about it where it is. It's not like it's not like, yes, Jason will go into a house and kill a bunch of teenage girls. We know he does that. But there's something with the way it's done where it's meaner. There's, yeah, <laughs> there's so it's there's a very thin line of of differentiation between violence occurring in around or because of sex and specifically sexualized violence and in this yeah. movie it is sexualized violence which makes right. it cross that line into a different place where it makes you go, oh god, I shouldn't be watching this. Because even that one girl who's like in her car and the killer just kind of attacks her while she's like stuck in traffic and can't she can't escape because they're, they're in like going through like a tunnel or whatever it is. Like even she ends up being exposed and you're like, but there's that doesn't even make sense really when you think about it. <laughs> like she's in her car during the day but somehow her breasts are out by the time they're be- she's being stabbed. And it's just... Yeah, there are, like you say, a number of scenes where the women are involved in some sort of sexual activity and then are suddenly being killed. And it's... You're right. It's almost like, to a certain extent, the difference is that in a Friday the 13th movie, they have their sex and then like they get killed when they get up to go get a beer or whatever, right? Like, that's the standard. And in this one, it's more that it's happening as part of it. It's all one scene kind of thing. Yeah. We got, yeah, there's, so there's a difference. So like, uh, we can go with Jason Voorhees, Jason Voorhees, very dispassionate in his, uh, brutal murdering of people. Right. So we can, we can pretty much forgive anything he does. Uh, a Freddy type character is enjoying the killing, but he's enjoying the like psychological torture aspect and all that. And he's, he's just a psycho. (laughs) And then, but this movie, when someone's being murdered and you can tell by the way it's shot that the assumption is that the killer is like literally getting off on it. 
I don't know. <laughs> that that is a bridge that takes you to another place. That is a uh a right. quagmire of horror that <laughs> it's yeah. I mean yeah. it's it, it's hard to push back on any of that where you're just like <laughs> it's I think the thing too is like there's still the hero of the movie is like the cop guy. <laughs> and you're like, well, why is that old man the hero of the movie? Like he's not you know what I mean? And maybe that's, that's I mean, he doesn't even have a bearing on the end of the movie. <laughs> No, he sol- he solves it, but yeah. really, it's just the the kind of chick we've been following through the whole movie sees the knife that he's been killing people with, and it's like, oh, <laughs> oh, it's been my boyfriend the whole time. I should probably stab that motherfucker. Yep. Nope. Gets his shot face shot off instead. Now, when he gets his gets shot in the face, that's pretty fucking cool, though. It I is. Can't, like, and that's like that's the other thing about this movie is it has those really good. Full cheese special effects. Yeah, something I, something about the way the in especially in specific Italian movies that cuts are done. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that fake skin is that they use. It but looks it so really, good. Oh my god! Yeah, it really stretches and tears, and I there's something about it so visceral. Yeah, no, there's there's something about the Italian film industry and what the materials they use to make those fake bodies that they're stabbing that it just feels more real and more painful than watching the American equivalents. I I don't know what the difference is. I don't know why that technology only existed in Italy at the time, but it is difficult to watch these kills and it's supposed to be, it's, it's on purpose that it's difficult to watch them, but it makes for, I don't want to. I guess it makes for entertaining kills. Is my point. How, and, how about that? How about that razor blade through the eyeball? Mm-hmm. It always makes me uncomfortable. Chain his eyeballs. Eyeballs it's, and Donald Ducks and sexual violence. That's <laughs> yeah, and he does especially in this film since we've talked about all the sexual violence. Does that typical giallo thing where most of the killing shots is like from the. Uh, point of the view of the killer. Yeah. So then it makes it even more uncomfortable because you feel like you've done something wrong, <laughs> even though you're just watching something that layered yeah. on top of that is him going. <laughs> <laughs> like, what the fuck? Uh, I don't know how to feel about this. It's, 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 it's a, an upsetting film to watch. I will say that. And it is just, but, like in, a, a, but like in a good way. Yeah, I mean, I can't say it's a poorly made film or anything like that. I mean, there's other films like Cannibal Holocaust or something where I feel horrible. I've only watched it once, and I probably will never watch it again. What's the two two girls on a train? Yeah, I don't know. But this one, I at least don't feel, like, terrible after I've watched it. I'm like, well, that was an experience. Yeah. Even though he made me feel uncomfortable the whole time, which is fine, because that's kind of what I wanted out of it. Yeah, I mean, he's successful at what he does. Um, it's just, I see what you're saying. There is a difference. And mostly I think it's because they kill animals in the Holocaust and they don't kill animals in this one. So Fair you're enough. like, yeah. And there's, well, I mean, and Cannibal Holocaust has its, you know, impl- inherent racism and all this other stuff that goes along with it. It's the colonialism aspect of it that this film is just lacking all of that. This is just a killer going around killing people. I mean, really you could, I mean, there are movies where they just 
they'll bother to have <laughs> real plots and they don't wouldn't have the cop character at all and we would just follow the killer killing people until one of the people killed them back and that would that would be just the cheesier version of this it's i don't know i'm not sure what my point was there <laughs> killers be killing you yeah like we're really drifting into the slasher era this comes out in 82 so we're getting into that era of just we, we're just gonna have a killer kill people and then we don't need to pretend there's more of a story to it than that we don't need to pretend there's a mystery um and this movie kind of leans into that a little even though it is technically probably still a giallo and it still has like it's still shot like a giallo and it still has that mystery element but it's not as important to the movie as it was in like the like all the Fulci stuff we talked about from the 70s yeah i would i would say another interesting thing about this movie is that it it in fact borders on the pornographic and i don't mean that in the uh the crotchety old lady meaning of pornographic i mean that in like the the literal uh, <laughs> pornographic like you mean, you mean it, where he goes to watch a sex show and you basically sit there and watch the entire show well yeah. with the character that when the woman's tied up to the bed in just the way like i don't know her with the way her uh state of undress is especially when she's completely undressed and you basically have the camera aimed at her vagina <laughs> yeah. like i said it yeah. bore it borders on it it borders on it and then the fact that you take that and and once again add the violence and you, and you get into that weird uncomfortable spot because you're like okay well we can't <laughs> Normally, in a lot of exploitation movies, I can be like, they're not sexualizing the violence. There just happens to be sex and violence. And this one's like, no, the violence is sexualized. It, yeah. Okay. I apologize. I apologize for enjoying this film to any feminist out there <laughs> in the world. I Shame on me. Yeah. You should know better. Was this where we awkwardly point out that Doug just left for a second? Probably had to go get Lando. Um, I don't know. Any other uh, favorite parts? We kind of talked about the dude getting shot at the end, but we didn't really go into it. Oh, man, it's real it just It blows like right through the side of his mouth. And for some reason, that makes it worse. Yeah, it's I don't like, know why. It's that good... Because th- that, that particular special effect is used in a lot of Italian movies where it's like it cuts and then it's like clearly a wax head, mm. but it's like a wax head filled with goo and explosives, which is just great. Yeah. And, you know, like the side of his mouth. So that means all of his teeth and stuff just exploded into his mouth. Right. And for some reason, that makes me like if his head just would have exploded, I would have been like, all right. And that would have been the end of it. But for some reason, getting shot in the teeth just makes it even worse. And I don't know why. Because <laughs> it really shouldn't be. Once again, I, th- I think it's the difference of that that Italian. Uh, God, I just I don't know what to call it. Because calling it realism is is not right. It's just. Yeah, there's, it's obviously a fake head. But right, there's right. something just. Like I said, there's something more visceral about it. 
Like, yeah, in an American movie, the head would have just exploded in the the way it would have been shot. The frame would have probably blurred for a half second. You know what I mean? Due to the speed and all that. Instead, in that Italian fashion, it's like, bam, something awful. Let's look at it for a few moments. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe because it's not so over the top. Right. It's just very matter of the fact, matter of fact, just like, boom, here it is. Yeah. Just makes it worse. Here is the violence. Gaze into it. (laughs) Enjoy it and then feel terrible about yourself for enjoying it. Right. Which again, again, as we've said, is basically this entire, this entire movie. Yeah. Yeah. You gotta have, I mean, you just, you just have to completely let go of everything to watch this movie and have a good time. (laughs) If you're trying to keep your your moral center intact while watching this movie, you're just you can't do it. You're going to be angry by the end of it. Uh, want anything else before we move on? Uh, no, New York Ripper. It's weird. Very weird. And there's never really an explanation for the duck voice. Well, unless, once again, unless I missed it. No, there is. So at the it. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, you're right. At the end of Continue. the movie, it's revealed that his daughter is sick and in the hospital and has been. And that the reason for his psychosis is he's basically punishing all of these women who have grown into sexual adults who are, you know, wasting their lives with their hormones and feminine wiles. And she has a little Donald Duck phone. That's what it is. Yeah. I completely forgot. I was just sitting here trying to think. I'm just like, why? What the duck voice? though? But yeah, that's right. Yeah, and I'm assuming I'm assuming the whole thing is that he called her was calling her on the duck phone and doing a Donald Duck impression. And maybe that's where the duck personality came from. <laughs> Who the fuck knows? Solchi's so weird. He is weird. Speaking of weird, do you want to run down Manhattan, baby? Sure. Uh, Manhattan baby family goes to Egypt. Uh, dad's looking for ancient temple finds ancient temple, uh, gets zapped in the eyeballs with magic Egyptian God magic. And his daughter ends up with an amulet that she brings back to the United States, which slowly corrupts her. And the movie transitions into what is essentially an evil child and or haunted house movie with Egyptian themes. Yes. Like, yeah. And just Um, it's basically a bunch of nonsensical vignettes to get you from one thing to the next thing that they wanted to do, you know, (laughs) which I feel like that's most haunted house movies because haunted house movies, you just want to see the cool haunted house thing happen. Yeah. A lot of it does seem like, well, this happens and you're like, why? And after like the fifth time of asking why the director Fulci was just like, well, they went to Egypt and found creepy shit. That's why it's funky. It's funky Egypt magic. Shut the fuck up. Yeah, exactly. Sounds like Doug's back. Doug is back. How'd you feel about Manhattan baby? Uh, I don't know. Um, (laughs) Honestly, I feel like it, it didn't really hold my attention very well. No, um, it um, relied heavily on atmosphere and the atmosphere wasn't really working for me. And therefore I was like, 
having trouble paying attention. Part I think, of that is. I think part of the problem is voiceover work. Like in an sure. atmosphere movie like this, you can't have voiceover actors. It just doesn't. It just doesn't work right. I don't. Yeah, especially when they're kid actors. Um, I think Ugh, that, like fucking Tommy. I don't think he's. <laughs> I don't think he's Bob level, but man, he's pretty fucking close. He's pretty bad, and he's he's a little piece of shit. So what? Why did they get a little boy to dub over the English language that had an Italian accent, too? That was another issue where I'm like, you really like, again, we're relying on atmosphere here and you're pulling me out of the movie by giving people who are in New York City European accents, which doesn't make any sense. Yeah, Yeah. I was I was going to say in typical. In, in, you know, uh, it's well acted. Right, and not not necessarily the voice actors that are dubbing, but you know the people on screen are fine, and it's shot pretty well, and it's a good looking movie for the most part. It's just boring, but uh, that's that's how I feel about all haunted house movies. It's just fucking they're fucking boring. I just don't I don't fucking get it. I want cool shit to happen, and not enough cool shit happens. Calling Poltergeist boring. Poltergeist is a is a in, an amazing exception to the rule. All right, fair enough. I'll accept it. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know if I agree with what Noah just said, but I can, for the purposes of this movie, I kind of agree. There was seemed to be a long time between things going on, and there wasn't nobody in the movie was kind of interesting enough that I wanted to follow those characters. Yeah, and then when yeah. something really cool would happen, you'd almost be pissed off about it because you'd be like, well, clearly you could have had all this cool shit happening. And you chose instead to have these dumb motherfuckers walking around talking for 35 minutes. When that dude gets ripped apart by those birds at the end of the movie, it's dope. Yep. <laughs> Another Fulci staple, the killer birds. Um, it's funny with having watched so many of his movies lately that we're seeing him reuse things to the extent of killer birds and Donald Duck are being reused. But um, <laughs> Yeah, like that that bird ripping apart scene was great, but it was one of the only really good gore scenes in the whole movie. And you're like, that's why we watch these movies. Like, this is a Fulci movie. This isn't, I don't know, something else. I just it seemed it seems strange to me that they would make the decision to make a movie like this that moves at this pace, and then hire Fulci to direct it. Yeah, I feel. This movie feels like we were real, real close to getting a Fulci directed mummy movie. Yeah. And that sounds so fucking great. <laughs> and that's not what we got. I'd watch that in a heartbeat. There were some like, like I thought the visuals were good um, in a subtle way that Fulci's not like known for. Like they would do these like weird close ups of the scorpions in the sand and stuff. But I thought it looked like really good and added some creepiness to the film. So like again, another well-made movie, just not, um, but just like it just couldn't hold my attention really. Yeah, yeah, that's about where I was at. It's yeah. only it's only like an hour and twenty eight minutes long. For some reason, it feels like a ten hour movie. And I don't yeah, know it's, why. it's it's too slow. There's too many ki- for what this movie is. There's too much focus on trying to develop characters into people that you would care about for some reason before killing them. You don't need that. Just just fucking kill them. The best friend or whatever that comes over to the house to help that one time. 
we don't we don't need him being cool uncle dad i just need him to go upstairs and get teleported to the desert and die <laughs> which is weird because then doesn't he come back later and he's got like the voice of a kid or something is that just a fever dream i had in the middle of watching this <laughs> no i think i think that was the problem is that guy and the weird voodoo doctor college professor guy look way too much alike. Oh, is that it? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Cause I did have a moment like, wait, okay. So that guy disappeared. Now he's back, but he's got a kid voice. So apparently I missed something in the middle, which it, it is that like late seventies, early eighties look that it's just, they kind of tried to make all people look the same. Not sure why they did that for that few years. Now, Brian, you mentioned in the chat that you had uh, you wanted to discuss the dialogue specifically. <laughs> the the oh, yeah, little yeah. boy calling his sister a lousy lesbian. Uh, I don't know if you wanted to bring that up. Well, just that specific scene. They're playing in the park, and then he gets mad at her. He's like, "You're a lousy lesbian," and so, I'm just like, "What the fuck does that even mean?" Well, that's does, the funny thing that... is it's it's right after she tells the the babysitter or whatever that he gets angry at her because she's better at baseball than he is. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't so even he called yeah so he calls her a lesbian so what do you what do you guys think it though is it a homophobic slur or is she a lesbian and he's accusing her of being really bad at it that's what I was wondering <laughs> like like is this he saw critique? her kissing a boy yeah he saw her kissing a boy and he's like wow she is terrible at being a lesbian I'm going to use this against her one day <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it was not it was not that but <laughs> From a 2022 perspective, just the wording was like really like, was, what the fuck is going? What is he talking about? Is the alliteration made it sound funny too? It was the whole thing. Yeah, you guys know what the biggest problem with this movie is? It's Fulci trying to make a movie without sexual violence. <laughs> <laughs> I got a little See, nervous. You take, like, you take away his hammer, and he loses the ability to put something together. Yeah. I was a little nervous because I'm like, there's a lot of kids in this movie for a Fulci movie. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I was like relieved when the babysitter showed up. I'm like, okay, maybe just the dad and the babysitter will fucking, we don't have to worry about anything else. That'll be fine. Like that'll be by Italian movie standards. That'll be normal. (laughs) Especially if one of the kids is calling the other kid a lousy lesbian. You don't know where it's going to go. I don't know. What if there was a lesbian scene and it was a really bad one because everyone's bad at it in this movie. Oh, Jesus. I'll tell you what, though, guys. We've gone a few weeks now watching a whole lot of Italian movies. And I don't think there's been any incest. I don't know how we've dodged the incest on this type of a role with Italian movies, but good on us. Talking about Fulci movies and not uh, Argento movies. (laughs) That is true. Although... I mean, spoiler alert for later in the show, but I watched an Argento movie with teenage girls in it and they all kept their clothes on. What? Was he, was he sick when he made that movie? Um, yeah. I guess we'll find out. Was was one of them his daughter while she was still underaged? No, why then? No, I don't think that would have no mattered. Chance. Well, legally. <laughs> I still don't, no, I still don't he, think that would have mattered. He, 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 first of all, it's Italy. There's no laws. When it comes to <laughs> films, it's 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 Italy. Their film laws are make the film. 
It's like Mad Max territory over there. Do any favorite deaths in the movie? Well, okay, clearly, dude getting torn apart by the birds is the best one. Yeah, I don't think Agreed. there's room for discussion. Agreed. I actually, I really enjoyed the guy just being teleported away. And then like a few minutes later, it like cuts to him and it's like, oh yeah, I just teleported him out in the middle of the desert and he just died of exposure. <laughs> What's, I mean, it's a clever death in a movie where you're not going to rely on gore and stuff. You find interesting ways to kill people and it's like, yeah, throw him in the desert. See what happens. To be fair. That's like, that's like a fair Fair assessment. Like he should have died that way. If it's the same, since I obviously cannot keep track of who people are in this movie, because they all look the fucking same. He's the same guy that was wearing like Groucho glasses and the the googly eyed glasses and stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that guy deserved it. We got room in society for people like that. (laughs) Fair enough. (laughs) He's just like, he's just like, yeah, we're going to. I'm assuming it was a newspaper unless I was completely not paying attention. But why would you do that in the middle of a newsroom? It doesn't make any sense. Listen, man, the office hadn't aired yet. People didn't understand how to pull pranks at work. (laughs) Uh, I was on vacation and they kept playing the office on Comedy Central during marathons and stuff. So... That was on the TV a lot. That was the beach. Do <laughs> we, uh, we just give up on the podcast and just yeah. talking about vacations now? Honestly, not very good because it's it's a very coral heavy area. So the beaches are just rocky. Well, no, that's yeah. Yeah, you get but those the, water shoes. The, oh yeah, the, I, trust the me. Waters, I the water's so pretty. It is. We went uh, we went out snorkeling in the middle of the ocean. It was great. Nice. I can't get Shar to go snorkeling with me. She doesn't like the water. Oh, really? This was in like five foot of water, so. Yeah, that doesn't matter. Okay. Um, but the opposite of being in the ocean is being in the desert. Uh, <laughs> did, Either uh, way, you'll die of exposure. All yeah. right. Did, uh, did any of the year, the Egyptian stuff make any sense whatsoever? Or was it just how me and Noah were talking about it? Just something they're like, well, maybe if we do Egyptian stuff, they'll make the rest of the movie make sense. I Yeah. I, I feel like if you got an Egyptologist or an Egyptian historian and you sat them down and made them listen to the part where they were talking about the eye and what it represents, that they would be extremely angry about how racist this movie is. (laughs) Yes, uh, it's from an era when it was acceptable to treat things that were exotic as inherently scary. (laughs) There was no like attempt to be culturally accurate at all. I'm sure. I don't think anybody like read a book before they wrote the script. They're just like, what has cool visuals? Egypt done. Yes. The eye represents evil. It is an evil (laughs) goddess. And it's like, no, no, that's no, (laughs) that's the all seeing eye. That's kind of just one of their most important symbols. You're right. It does represent evil. I heard it in this movie once. Oh no. Low budget Italian movies are turning people into Egypt racists. <laughs> I wish that was the extent of our problems nowadays. Yeah, that'd be actually 
kind of a nice relief from the world we live in. <laughs> Just be, I would be disturbed about how weirdly specific that was. It's actually, I, I, I find the specific racisms to be even more uncomfortable and mind boggling than overt racism. Like if somebody's like, I don't like anybody that's a different color. And I'm like, you know what? You're a crazy person. But if I hear somebody that's like, I don't like Armenians. I'm like, why? That's so specific. <laughs> like, <laughs> what would racists against Egyptians do? Like burn wooden sphinxes on their front lawn or something? <laughs> right. That would be those onks or whatever, like the cross with the little loop at the top. That's less fun. Yeah. Then, like halfway through the fire, you wouldn't know who they were racist against anymore. <laughs> Once the top was done, <laughs> you're like, I don't know who you're who you're racist against. Please enlighten me. Okay. And then they tell you, you'd be like, Oh no, this was a terrible idea. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Does anybody else find anything else they want to say about the movie? <laughs> Not really. I was bored throughout most of it. Yeah, I, I feel the same way. It's funny because I I thought to myself, like, because both these movies came out in 82 and I'm like, maybe it's because he's trying to make like two movies in a year and he just doesn't have the time to put into this second movie. And then I realized that in 81, he made three movies and in 80, he made three movies. So it's like, oh, maybe maybe he had too much time on his hands and could think about Egypt too much. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, I would call it I would call it boring, but not terrible. Like I said, it's it's they're not terribly it's not a terribly put together film it's just boring no no it's yeah it, oh. i think the problem is it's an 80s film traveling at a 70s pace right and it's just like we're not when the visuals and the dialogue and stuff reminds you of the 80s you don't want it to be like a, an hour and 10 minutes of lead up time to get to our 10 minute finale which is a, a very 70s way to make a movie um fuck with that. i was gonna say some. I had a great point, and I completely forgot what it was. I don't know. Um, oh, I was just going to say, I was really excited, because when you hear Fulci, and I'd never heard of this movie before, <laughs> so you hear Fulci, you read the description, some weird Egyptian curses on children mm-hmm. or whatever, you're like, that sounds amazing. And then, yeah, I was really bored. So maybe that was also part of it, since I was really excited for it, and then... Unfortunately, it was very boring. Yeah, yeah. Which which order did you guys watch them in? Because I watched Ripper first. I watched Manhattan Baby first because I had seen Ripper before. So that way, if I didn't yeah. get to Ripper, I at least would be caught up. I also watched Manhattan Baby first um, for no particular reason. Well, then that blows my theory. I was like, maybe it's because we watched Ripper first. And it's kind of it's the opposite of boring. Like no That's one for sure. Call, no one can call Manhattan Ripper boring. No. Or, or didn't Manhattan Ripper. There are now one film. <laughs> <laughs> I've combined them in my brain. Trust me, because part of me was like, well, I've seen R- Ripper before, so I set up my phone in front of me to watch it, and then I played Elden Ring in the background. Ooh, Elden Ring. <clears throat> and uh I kept stopping the game because I'm like, oh, completely nude sex scene coming up. So I got to stop, pay attention. Oh, he's talking in a Donald Duck voice. I mean, someone's about to get stabbed. So I got to stop, pay attention. So, yeah, it's, it's way more interesting than Manhattan Baby was. 
Some, sometimes you just got to gut a stripper with a broken wine bottle. But like that's what was missing from Manhattan, maybe. <laughs> Not a single stripper getting viscerated with a broken wine bottle. Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at Pod, or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to themidnightdrivein at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. So, you would think with all this time, I'd watch some things, but I have not. I've not watched nothing. I had that Zero. test. I had that test to study for and shit, and I was so stressed out about it that I just—that's all I did. Really? Hey, Doug, it, look at this guy studying for tests. Oh my god, loser! It was so fucking stressful. So that that test, you have four hours to complete it, and it took me three hours and fifty-five minutes. So you had like, lots of spare time. Oh my god. And that was me booking it. Like I was moving real fast. Every question was a giant block of text. Uh, it, it's just a uh, ah, stressful. I got I got done with it, and it, you get your grade instantly. So you know you click submit, and it just pops up, and it was like you passed. And I I was like, you know what? I should feel res- relieved right now. And instead, I'm gonna go down the street and I'm gonna drink a beer, <laughs> and I'm just gonna like sit there for an hour because. This destroyed my insides, destroyed my soul. It was real stressful. I I went a few places and drank beer over the time we were gone. I never had to write a test to do it. So, yeah. So your your way was probably better than mine. Yeah. Um, one thing we could talk about. Did anybody see the new Thor trailer? No. Yeah, you sucked then. I think it looks pretty rad. I'm 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 assuming it shows Jane Foster as Thor. Her yep. last shot of it, of course. Yeah, she, she looks good in the costume, but it doesn't tell you anything about the movie, really. So, I, I kind of feel like Disney's popularity has ruined their ability to cut a good trailer. Because they just they've started instead of like, you know, their code of secrecy or whatever that they've been trying to do forever. Instead, now they're like, fuck it. Let's just put everything in the goddamn trailer. Well, I think, yeah, it's. You look at what happened with Spider-Man, like pretending that the other two guys weren't going to show up. And it's like you fooled no one. So in a world where you're not going to fool anyone, then why not take advantage of the marketing opportunity of letting everyone know? And I think that's it with this, too. Like, we all knew Natalie Portman was back. (laughs) I I would love them to do an anti-trailer, just like... Their next movie, you know, whatever, uh, the, the Hulk Hulk blows the world or whatever they're going to call it. But it just pops up and it's just the logo and just the name. And it stays on the screen for 25 seconds and then cuts off. It shows you not a second of film, not anything. That's, well, that's horrible. That's usually what they release as the pre-trailer trailer. <laughs> they like put the, put the yeah, logo the, yeah, on the, tra- like, the trailer, trailer for the two trailer. days. Yeah, yeah. But just that. Because, listen, everyone's going to see the goddamn movie. You don't need to advertise anymore. Everyone's going to see it. Yeah. People are dumb, though. There are people who still leave when the credits start rolling. 
They're I, don't, the worst. I don't understand those people. There's people on podcasts I listen to like, oh yeah, I left when the credits started, so I didn't see the post post credit scene. I'm just like, but dumb motherfuckers. Why wouldn't you? You're on a movie podcast. Maybe you should stick around so you can talk about it. Other people have different priorities in life, I guess. I don't understand. You. Um, apparently they're, they're doing the Jason Aaron run on Thor though. It's like the basis of it. So the gore of the God butcher. Yeah. Stuff. So seems interesting. I didn't read it. I'm thinking about picking it up, but I don't know if I want to read it beforehand and ruin it. Or if I just wait till the movie comes. I don't um, I see most of the ones where Marvel says we're basing it off of this run of comic books. It ends up being so different from that run of comic books that it doesn't. Even sure. Matter. Yeah. And part of me wonders, cause they waited forever to put a trailer out. But then I don't know why they would do it right beforehand. That if like Dr. Strange two is going to do something that's going to affect the plot of it somehow, but I don't know. Right. I am, uh, I've already got my ticket for Doctor Strange too. <laughs> for four o'clock on release day, I'm leaving work early. Yeah, I got to work at three, so fucked. Ooh, I'll just make my decision when it gets closer. I haven't planned it in advance. I'll just uh, post a bunch of spoilers. And that's when I'll remove the app from my phone for the weekend. <laughs> what'd you watch doug uh i got a bunch of stuff i told you i watched an argento film where the girls cut their clothes on mm-hmm. um but don't worry it wasn't normal so i watched <laughs> phenomena but i think i watched the creepers cut of it so it goes by both names and i don't know if they're actually different or not yeah there's a difference but i couldn't tell you what the difference would be yeah i don't i don't know i only like i watched it's hilariously i watched the one that was available for free on youtube just because i'm like that's the one i want and then i realized afterwards that i have access to both cuts (laughs) for free on apps that i have that are perfectly legal and allowable so i could have just you know watched a slightly higher quality version of what i watched or watched the other cut but it didn't occur to me to look for it anywhere except youtube first (laughs) i think i've watched it off youtube as well so So for people who don't know, it's just, it's a pretty typical movie. It's just, um, <laughs> you say it's a typical movie and then you're about to explain what it is. Yeah, yeah. That's hilarious. Donald, uh, Donald Pleasance plays a, a high school teacher who teaches entomology, which is a, already weird, but he's in a wheelchair. So he has to have a pet monkey. And, uh, Jennifer Connelly plays one of the students and she sleepwalks. But when you sleepwalk in this movie, it opens up other personalities and her other personality has a psychic connection to insects. So when a killer is killing people at the school, it makes sense that these two are going to team up to solve the crime. Um, I, hold, I don't know. Hold what the on. Fuck to say about oh, this wait, movie. wait. The fuck you say? Oh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that is the correct response. I think what I said was this movie needs to be added to the list so we can have a full discussion when we've all just watched it. Because yeah. I mean, you had me at Donald Pleasance with a pet monkey. Uh, it seems like enough. And the monkey does factor into the plot. Listen, I will tell you this. That is that is Chekhov's monkey, man. They introduced that <laughs> monkey, and I'm like, that monkey's going to be real relevant in the climax of this movie. I can tell, because otherwise, why would it be here? And then when the climax comes, I'm like, there he is. <laughs> it's, 
I just, I mean, what you just described to me sounds like Argento's X-Men. Like, <laughs> that's what it, I, I mean, just heard. You're not entirely wrong. It's yeah. like, cause Donald Pleasance as the high school entomology teacher, which is already in and of itself problematic is like, he's in his wheelchair often like a mansion and she keeps going to him for advice because she found him one day while she was sleepwalking uh, by mistake. Well, actually, sorry, the monkey found her and brought her to him. Um, but it's like, it is, it is like girl with psychic powers and he's like her professor X. And then the monkey's just a monkey, which is already kind of a superhero. So, uh, but she's like one of the weird X-Men. Her psychic powers only works on bugs. So yeah, but she, when she gains control of it, she uses it to great effect late in the movie. Oh, she does. <laughs> it's, I remember really enjoying the movie. I haven't watched it in a while though. I, I honestly, I, I have to say I enjoyed it. It is really fucking weird. Like really <laughs> fucking weird. Um, and there's a lot of just like really unnecessary stuff going on. I guess, I mean, it's an Italian movie, so you expect that. But like the one night she's sleepwalking, she sees one of the kills happen. But she happens to be standing like on like a ledge when this happens. And then so she's going to run away, right? Because she saw a kill happen. That's normal. And this is when she ends up meeting uh, Donald Pleasance's character. But before she, as she goes to run away, first the ledge breaks and she falls, but she's now dangling because her nightgown got caught on something. Then she finally makes it to the ground and she's running and some guys pick her up and they seem to just be nice enough guys that are just trying to help her. But she freaks out at them like as if they're attacking her and jumps out of the moving car and then she meets the monkey and then it, that the monkey takes her to Donald Pleasance. And I'm like, why did all that? Why were there so many steps in between this? Like she could have just seen the killer scream and run off into the woods and end up at this guy's house. There's no reason why you needed all these stages in between, except for the fact that it's fucking Argento, man. What do you want me to say? <laughs> so it's Argento. So I'm assuming everything looks real good. It does. I mean, I, I, I want to rewatch it like on, through a proper streaming service and not through YouTube because I think it would be better. Because even the version I watched, it also was like taken from some, I assume, internet show. So there was like these hosts that popped in every now and again and gave us their comments on the movie. <laughs> they weren't particularly funny. So, but yeah. Um, yeah. So somebody's decapitating people and the psychic girl has to team up with her teacher who has a pet monkey to find out who did it. But all handled very seriously. None of this is played for laughs at all. <laughs> as it should be it's a serious subject i know i have an important question yeah what's the monkey's name oh that's an important question and i don't know this is the problem with going so long between recordings i watched this like the day after we recorded last time he has a name though and they call him that all the time i think it's a she actually yeah trying to find the cast list inga what's that inga i-n-g-a Sure, why not? Oh, yeah, because this whole thing takes place in, like, Switzerland, too, by the way, for no reason whatsoever that I can figure out. <laughs> she's, she's American. The teacher is Scottish, 
but they're at this boarding school in Switzerland for some reason that I don't understand. But that's just not weird enough to qualify as strange in this movie. So you have to put it on the list. Yeah. I don't know what the hell you team it up with unless we're going to do Link again. We can do Link again. <laughs> Let's do Link again. I didn't do Link the first time. So, Oh, was that pre-you? That was pre-me. All right. See Elizabeth Shue hanging out with an orangutan? Yep. I painted the orangutan black, though. <laughs> it's Terrence Stamp and Elizabeth Shue in that one. Actually, you know what? It makes surprising sense to team them up now that I think about it. <laughs> Going on the list. It's like a, a classically trained actor famous for his, you know, pop culture roles. Who happens to have a pet monkey and teams up with a young girl. All right. Yep. Those two go together on the list. Someone write it down. Done and done. What else did I watch? Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Remember um, when I said that sometimes they make movies where it's just a guy going around killing people until eventually somebody just kills him back. So I watched this movie called The Hollywood Strangler meets the Skid Row Slasher. Okay. And the um, the title and the plot description are actually the same. That's, that's exactly all this movie is. It's just this gross, like, 70s thing and this guy just like walks around picking women to kill but one of the women he picks to kill happens to be a murderer so she just kills him right back and that's your whole movie and it's there's no attempt whatsoever to make anything resembling a plot happen in this movie it is just that so there you go (laughs) I don't even know I don't even know what else to say about it (laughs) The kills aren't particularly good. Um, there's no character. There are no characters, so I can't tell you whether the character development is good or not. The character development is also the title of the movie. It's, <laughs> so, but yeah, the day I watched it, it was exactly what I needed that day. I did, so if you're in the mood for something like that, if you see the title, The Hollywood Strangler Meets the Skid Row Slasher, if that appeals to you when you hear that, then you should watch this movie. <laughs> if you're a normal human being and you see that and say, that sounds terrible, well, then move on, which is probably the smart move. But it's a, uh, it is what it is. <laughs> so, There's some people already have it queued up, ready for this episode to be over so they can watch it. Maybe. We have some pretty weird listeners, so you never know. <laughs> um, yeah, what, okay, a more normal movie that I watched. <laughs> I watched The House of the Devil, which is the Ty West film from... 2009 sounds right um which i wanted to see when it was new and i never got around to it but i remember a couple weeks ago i mentioned i'm enjoying x so i thought like i'd check this one out because it's kind of a throwback horror film same guy very very different movie um from Mm -hmm. x it is a slow burn but it was extremely well made i really liked it um pretty much pure atmosphere but it works yeah yeah um, cause it is just this one girl alone in this house for much of the movie. And it does that seventies thing where it's weird cause it's supposed to be a throwback to an eighties movie, but it's really seventies style. You know, there's this big long lead up and we're getting all these hints that something terrible is happening. And then the last 15 minutes of the movie just is nuts. It's just all the crazy shit happens right at the end. Um, which it's hard to make a movie like that, especially in 2009, 
So credit to Ty West for being able to pull it off, for making the atmosphere work well enough to keep you interested when not much is going on. It's just, there's little things it does right. Like at one point she orders a pizza and it's like, you wouldn't think that that would matter at all. But when the delivery guy shows up, we've seen that character before in the movie. So we know a little bit, we know more that, that something else is going on besides her just getting a pizza delivered, even though nothing really happens in the moment. So it's kind of like just stuff like that, that they do really well. Um, basically, basically the moral of the story is if Tom Noonan asked you to watch his elderly mother for the evening. Yeah. Don't. Uh, I mean, look, if you need that advice, <laughs> then you've made some poor life decisions already. But the performance by Tom Noonan, too, is very, it's a very subtle performance, but it's really, really good. I really like watching him on screen. Yeah. Uh, so. It, yeah, just like, because I think if I, I haven't watched it in a while, but from what I remember, there's like a moment where she kind of is getting weirded out. So decides she doesn't want to do it. Yeah. And you could just see the look on his face like, I need to start scrambling to get her to agree to do it. So he starts like throwing down more money and stuff. And his performance yeah. is really good. Yeah. And it's, it, it's, he does it in a way where it's like it doesn't seem unrealistic, even though he's now paying her like $300 for one night's babysitting. But it's just, he has a desperation in his voice that, like, I mean, and to a certain extent, it's, it's this like layered desperation where he's he's telling her he's desperate because they haven't gone out in a long time and him and his wife have this event to go to and he really needs to get her out of the house but by the, we all know as an audience that he's desperate to get this girl alone in this house for some other reason and we don't know what that reason is so it really builds that kind of curiosity really well made film I really yeah. enjoyed watching it um, yeah, I really again, enjoyed it too really slow burn so people should be warned about that going into it but worth it yeah agreed now i really liked his follow-up innkeepers too but i saw innkeepers when it was new and i was not blown away but i have, that was 2011 2012 whatever so i should re-watch it based on how much i've enjoyed the last two movies yeah, I wasn't like blown away, but I just remember enjoying it for what for the type of movie that it was. Yeah. Yeah. See, so yeah, what else did I watch? Oh yeah, I watched two seasons of the TV show Todd and the Book of Pure Evil. Do you guys know what this is? I think it's a Canadian thing. I've heard about it. Yeah, but I've never watched it. It's it's essentially what if Buffy the Vampire Slayer was actually a stoner comedy. Um. So the conceit of this show is that there's like there's this book of pure evil that lands in this high school and every week like somebody gets it and does like whatever spell to like I don't know whatever They're, they need to make the cheerleading squad so they cast a spell to do that but things go awry and then Todd and his group of stoner friends have to figure out how to fix it and there's like the evil guidance counselor that's working with Satanists to try to bring the evil around and weird shit like that um really fun show actually i really enjoyed watching it wasn't necessarily planning to watch like two full seasons of it but i did and so it's just it's ridiculous stuff it's almost like a parody of buffy sometimes um so you know the episode of buffy where sander casts like a love spell and it goes wrong and then all the women are like chasing him around the whole town 
I think that's my favorite episode of Buffy. Yeah. So this one has an episode where uh, there's a gay kid being bullied in the school. So he gets his hand on the book and creates a spell to make everybody feel what it's like to be him for a day, which turns all the boys in the school gay, which results in all the slutty girls chasing him around because they're super angry that none of their boyfriends will sleep with them anymore. (laughs) So that's the level of humor you're going to be dealing with. But Uh, I just realized I was wrong. That's not my favorite episode of Buffy. Okay. My favorite episode is the one where it's just Xander driving around town doing a bunch of shit. The Zeppo. The Zeppo. The Zeppo, yep. yeah. That's where he's just, yeah, he's just, he, he, he accidentally joins a gang of zombies. <laughs> yep. And they're trying to blow up the school. That has one of the best, like, endings ever because Xander's about to go for snacks at the end and, and he Oz doesn't know that he ate a zombie the night before. <laughs> and he's like, no, nothing for me. I'm oddly full. I, just, I love that moment. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's such a good show. Yeah. I don't know. I loves it. That was a, meh. Buffy had that weird thing where it's like every couple of seasons are like that one guy has no superpowers, but he shows up for every fight and just continues to be in every episode. We better give him an episode to prove how tough a guy he is. Just, <laughs> just to make sure everyone still knows that it's cool. So it was like, there was that one. And then there's the one where he had like his evil twin. And all that. There was, there's a few like that where they're just like, give Xander an episode. Too bad. He turned out to be such a horrible person in real life. Well, a lot of addiction issues and stuff. I don't know. I've, it's, it sucks how many people. It's all right. At least, at least Joss Whedon turned out all right. Eh? <sighs> that one still hurts. Is there anyone from Buffy that turned out normal and nice? Uh, Sarah Michelle Geller from yeah, whatever. She seems nice. And Seth Green is still kind of awesome. If you ever like see him on yeah. social media, he's still like. <sighs> yeah, I don't think anybody's got a bad thing to say about Seth Green. No. Does Sarah Michelle Geller still do anything? The last thing uh, I can remember her being in was Southland Tales. And that was a real long time ago. Yeah, she does something. She was on a show with Robin Williams for a while before he died. It was like a, some CBS show. Didn't do very well. Got canceled. Yeah. I think she's very selective. I don't think she does much. Yeah. She's like a stay-at-home mom now. Uh, oh, she's the voice of uh, Tila on the He-Man Netflix show. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. And she did uh, the voice of April O'Neil in some of the Ninja Turtle stuff, too. I think. Yeah, she does voiceovers on Robot Chicken all the time. She was on an episode of Big Bang Theory. She was on Big Bang Theory. <clears throat> well, that's all right. See, that's a, that's a person who got rich and now just has fun. Yeah. yeah. I, I like she, that. She was it's on like uh, you guys have seen Miracle Workers, right? Uh, sounds familiar. But With uh, Steve Buscemi and Dana Radcliffe. Oh, I know what you're talking about, but I, yeah, I haven't watched it. Do you guys want to know a thing I learned this week about Sarah Michelle Geller? Sure. So she's married to that Freddie Prince Jr. guy, right? And his grandmother was really, really into wrestling and got very, very upset when The Rock switched from the people's champ to the corporate champ. Yeah. And then Sarah Michelle Geller made Southland Tales with The Rock. And her grandmother-in-law refused to speak to her and apparently never spoke to her again until the day she passed away (laughs) because she worked with the rock who (laughs) became the corporate champion. But he came back. He wasn't the corporate champion. 
for a long what? time. It doesn't matter. He I don't know. How, I don't hands. know how old the lady this was. I don't know how long she lived. Maybe she never saw the rock come back to be the the face again. But it was. That's kind of fucking I just, awesome. I just random one of those like whatever like when you're flipping through social media and they have those like one minute clips and it was an interview with uh, Pretty Prince Junior and they were like because he used to work I guess in WWE right and uh, he was a writer with them for a while so when they they were they were asking him like they they literally said like we can't think of a single bad thing about the Rock like do you know anyone who has one negative thing to say and that's the story he told so. It's, his grandfather wouldn't talk to his wife because she made a movie with the rock. And I thought that was amazing. Uh, she also did six episodes of star Wars rebels. That makes sense. Cause he's on that show. Um, but yeah, from what I heard, yeah, they they are both wealthy and just do whatever they want to do now. That's amazing. So, yeah, I was going to say, because that's pretty much what like Daniel Radcliffe is doing now. Oh, yeah. David Radcliffe yeah. got that Harry Potter money, and now he's like, you know what? I'm just going to do the weirdest fucking shit I can find. Oh, I, I respect people who get rich and then just decide to, like, fuck it. I'm just going to do the things that are fun for me. So. I highly recommend Miracle Workers, by the way. Especially the first season. The first season's fucking hilarious. We'll see. It's a it's weird though. So it's an anthology series that are based off of short stories by this guy who's a scriptwriter slash novelist. And so each season is a different short story of his. So it's all of the same actors playing different people. Oh, I don't like that. Yeah, so the first season is basically Heaven is a corporation and Steve Buscemi is God and Daniel Radcliffe works in the prayer answering department uh, and God decides he's just going to destroy the earth and they have to (laughs) basically do one big miracle to convince him not to blow up the earth and then season two is a medieval village and Daniel Radcliffe is Prince Chauncey the spoiled dipshit prince who has to learn life lessons. And then we just started the third season, which is the Oregon trail. Yeah, I remember seeing the Oregon trail promos. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in that one, Steve Buscemi plays a character named Benny, the teen. <laughs> is he just wearing right. his clothes from that 30 rock meme. No, I think it's just supposed to be a Billy the Kid joke. Uh, but, be great but there's if you hit multiple boxes that way. I mean, there's a lot of pretty funny. There's like a great moment where he's literally standing next to a wanted poster of himself and nobody can figure it out. It's a Jackie Daytona situation. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. What else did you watch, Dan? Uh, where was that? Um, everything else was rewatches, so we don't need to talk much about it. Watched a rewatched Event Horizon. So if you guys want to talk about it, we can because it's still awesome. Yeah, it's dope. But yeah, it's it's so good. But we I think we've discussed it ad nauseum on the show in the past. If people are curious, um, and yeah, other than that, I rewatched Into the Spider Verse as well. But again, we've I'm sure talked it to death. So, oh yeah, did you show that to Lando? Yeah, yeah. How do you feel about it? Uh, so I tried to show it to him once before and 
just the animation style and stuff was he was too young for it i think it's it's really chaotic yeah um this time he's way more into it but he loves miles morales even though he's never seen a cartoon or a movie with him in it he just loves conceptually miles morales <laughs> turns out those marvel people are pretty good at just you know creating characters that kids will fall in love with automatically um so yeah i think he appreciated the storyline and stuff and he laughed at Spider-Ham appropriately. I, I was getting ready to say, did he love Spider-Ham? <laughs> he did. He's Because he's actually age-appropriate to have his own Spider-Ham book. That's right. Oh, I wonder if I could... I wonder if I can get him Spider-Ham book. You can. Huh? Look into that. They're pretty, they're, pretty, they're pretty easy to find. Yeah. I'm literally opening my Amazon app as we speak. So if anybody <laughs> else has anything else they want to say about it. <laughs> it's, um... The movie's way better than it should be. I honestly yeah. did not have high hopes for it. I thought it, was, it would be okay at best, and at the time, it was my favorite Spider-Man movie. Yeah, I mean, it's... I don't even know how to say it. Like, it's a really good story, despite the fact that it relies heavily on you already being a Spider-Man fan going in. But I think, like, literally everybody's a Spider-Man fan, so... I'm excited for two. Yeah. yeah. Especially seeing how most of the trailer is just... Uh, Miguel beating the absolute dog shit out of Miles. <laughs> and there's something fantastic about that that I was like, yeah, that's exactly what would happen. Fucking Miguel just beat the shit out of him. <laughs> I need more Spider-Man 2099 in my life, so anything we could do to make that happen, I'm all about. Yeah, I almost kind of, I know I know it's it would be, be the death nail and it would be the thing that finally kills the MCU, but I would really love him to do just a uh, entire phase of just 2099 <laughs> but it really for, would that, for, that for would the be, three people that really want it that's what i'm saying and that would be the end of it that the mcu would be done disney would go bankrupt and... <laughs> we did it see all these conservative billionaires got to put up their money that's the way to get rid of disney everybody be like wait doom's a good guy and you're like yeah shut shut the fuck up just, just enjoy it why is Beast all weird? Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Ghost Rider's coming soon. He's a goddamn robot. Didn't they do a Hulk one too? Yeah, Hulk 2099. Yeah. I remember I tried multiple of the 2099 uh, titles and Spider-Man was the only one that grabbed me. Seems that way for a lot of people. Well, Sp- Spider-Man was really good, and Doom 2099 was really good, and G- Ghost Rider 2099 was good in its own way, but it's it's good in the way that, like, Punisher comics are good, if that makes sense. It's not like they're written great or something. You're just like, yeah, fuck them up, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> which doesn't keep your attention very long. Yeah. Did you watch anything else, Doug? No, I think that's it. That Todd in the Book of Pure Evil took up a lot of my time. So gotcha. <laughs> it was two full seasons of a show. Well, I actually watched two things while I was on vacation. I actually watched more than that, but it's other stuff that I've already talked about on the show. Because right. when we'd come home at night, we would just pull something up on the laptop and watch it before we went to bed. Um, but while we were there, Amanda found this cool little independent theater it was like a couple blocks away from our condo where we were staying called the Tropic Cinema. <clears throat> and it's 
they only have four screens and they do half of them are like independent movies and the other half are like mainstream, you know, that's big fun. releases. That's kind of neat. Yeah. And uh, each theater has like its own like name, like they're not numbered. Like, so this one, I don't remember the names, but it, I'm sure it's people who've donated to the theater because it se- seemed very much, they have like volunteers that work there, the concession stand and stuff. So it just seemed like a really cool theater. Like they do a lot of interesting stuff. So each of the theaters was at its own name. So it's like the such and such room, the, uh, you know, Dennis and grace, something, something theater or whatever. So it was just a lot of fun. It was kind of cool inside. <clears throat> so we went and saw a movie called the outfit, which is a uh, mob movie that takes place in the fifties in Chicago. And, the whole thing takes place in this tailor shop. So part of me thought, oh, this must be a play that they adapted. And I looked it up, but it's not. They just literally wrote up a story that only took place in one location. And this tailor has let the mob use his shop. It has like a drop box in the back of it. So whenever the families need to talk to each other, they just drop like notes off in this drop box and then Somebody comes and picks him up and whatever. And he tries to stay out of all their business. And he does a lot of, you know, suit work for, you know, makes suits and stuff for a lot of the gangsters. And we find out that the first night he was in town, like, one of the big mob guys had gotten hurt and he helped him out or something. And then in this, the mob guys go to pull off some sort of, meeting and of course it goes wrong and then uh the ma the main bob guy's son comes back and he's been shot and so of course he gets dragged by this other guy to the tailor shop and he's like you need to sew him up even though he tries to stay out of stuff he's kind of forced into getting involved with whatever's going on um so he you know sews him up and then everything kind of starts going to shit. And then you're thinking like, oh man, this poor guy is getting caught in the middle of it. But out of nowhere, he starts like manipulating verbally, like all of these different mob people into, you know, essentially putting heat on other people. And so, of course, you find out that maybe there's more to this Taylor guy than eats the eye. And, uh, yeah, it was great. Just the way it plays out. It was done super well. And, Sounds uh, interesting. Yeah. It, uh, it was really good. I didn't even know anything about it. I, I've never even heard of it. Didn't see a trailer. And Amanda's like, oh, this sounds pretty good. And we watched the trailer. I'm like, that does look good. And saw it, and it was pretty awesome. <clears throat> so, the outfit should be, I think it just hit streaming. Because, like, two days later, it was up on, like, Voodoo or something. Like, oh, look. We saw it right before it hit. So, uh, yeah. worth worth a watch. It uh, sounds like it could be really cool, actually. I'm yeah. glad you saw that. I really liked it. That was good. And like I said, just take, it all takes place in one location. Swore up and down in my brain. I'm like, this has got to be a play. And I looked it up, and just like, no. Filmmaker just wrote it. with The whole thing just taking place in this one location. It's weird how well it works. I'm a bit of a sucker for movies that do that if they pull it off well. Uh, and then, and then a couple of days later, we went and saw Everything Everywhere All at Once, uh, which is another multiverse 
movie weirdly not connected to the MCU. Um, so it's Michelle Yao and she owns like this laundromat and she has to go in and talk to the IRS about the taxes for it and nothing's going right. And her husband starts acting weird. Her husband's played by uh, data from the Goonies. And apparently this is the first thing he's done in like 20 years. Okay. That's funny. Cause I saw that he was doing some interviews recently and i was wondering why and i didn't realize he was in this yeah he plays her husband he's really good he uh from what i read he stopped doing stopped acting because he felt like there was no real good roles he was pretty much getting a lot of stereotypical stuff mm-hmm. and then he no, saw did, did he do stereotypical stuff in the 80s i yeah <laughs> uh so he saw crazy rich asians when it came out and he thought oh cool Looks like they're starting to do more, you know, give people of people of color, like better roles now. So maybe I could find something interesting to do. And this is the first thing he's done since then. It's interesting. Um, And he's really good. And it turns out uh, there's people in the multiverse that have discovered a way to hop from reality to reality by jumping into their their counterparts' bodies. So another version of him pops into his body, explains to his wife that something's coming to destroy her reality and in turn will end up destroying every reality. They're find, trying to find the right person to help them stop it. And they think she might be it for some specific reason. So uh, Some unspecific reason that they don't 100% spell out till maybe towards the end. Um, and they have this way of, they have like these Bluetooth, like ear earphones that they put in and you essentially, if you focus on, um, like uh, there's a scene where she ends up being chased by a bunch of like uh, SWAT team members or whatever. And she focuses on, man, I wish I had this certain ability and it, whatever, however it works finds an alternate version of her is like one of those sign flippers that you see. And she's able to sort of, cause you're able to sort of like, uh, absorb all those memories and abilities. So then she's able to use that. She grabs one of the SWAT member shields and uses that to like fight them off and stuff. So it's, it's kind of an interesting idea where you can tap into other versions of yourself's abilities and then use them to, for whatever, sort of situation you're stuck in um, and how they explain this stuff is really interesting. So it's just a really cool. And then it's actually got a really good, like dramatic story to it where she feels like she's kind of like stuck in this life where she owns this laundromat. She kind of hates it. Um, she's not really happy about it. She's just taking care of her dad. Who's in a wheelchair played by James Hong, who is fantastic as always. And, um, so then we, she starts finding out about all these different, like every decision she's made in her life, like branches off into a new reality, essentially. So she finds out like all these different versions of her were doing all these other things. And she starts questioning like, oh, maybe if I would have done something better with my life, maybe I would have ended up here, 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 whatever. And it's done really well. Um, it gets really confusing. Amanda was confused by the end. Kind of had to kind of had to go, you know, talk about it afterwards, made stuff, make a little bit more sense. Um, yeah, I thought it was really good. So I, see, 
I've seen at least seen trailers for that one. Yeah, I've, yeah. I I really enjoyed it. I was really excited for it, and uh, it's definitely worth a watch. Worth checking mm-hmm. out, especially if you like like. Like I'm a sucker for time travel movies. This isn't really a time travel movie, but alternate realities play into that. So I'm always interested in stories like that. Um, yeah, that's pretty much everything I watched. There. Uh, we did get a piece of feedback since our last episode, though. Oh, really? Uh, good buddy Kent said, "Hey guys, I'm looking forward to your I'm looking forward to your thoughts on Rats Nights of Night of Terror." Oh, yeah. yeah. Did everybody officially add that to the list? I don't think so. We should, though. Uh, Riff Tracks riffed this one as well. Terrible rat effects. White rats painted black. Pretty sure that rats were set on fire. And the best line in the movie is, I read it in a book. All right, Kent. put that on the list, because Kent's right. We need, <laughs> we need to be watching that. <laughs> Sometimes you got to paint That's a rat. Slash question mark. There, it's at least on the list. All right, we'll uh, food of the gods too, because we haven't done part two yet. Oh, that's true. Let's do that. I've oh. never seen it. I have no idea what I'm getting us into by suggesting that. Here's a brief glimpse of some of the truly fine pictures we've scheduled in the near future. Hey Noah, what are we doing next week? Uh, well, somebody put Near Dark and Lost Boys on the list, so we're doing that. <laughs> that was a real hard sell for you. Yeah. Yeah, that's just that's just this podcast now. That's all we're doing. We're doing those two movies over and over again. That's hard to argue with that logic. Now, are we going to talk about the Lost Boys sequels at all? Or are we going to pretend those don't exist? If you if you want to watch them, if you want to watch them, Brian, for the, you know, after the break next week, when you just want to say, like, hey, what is everybody been watching? And you want to go on and on about Lost Boys <laughs> 2 and 3. Uh, I've watched them each once a piece, and I think that's enough in a lifetime, probably. Me too. Now, if you do bring them up, I can diverge into that episode of the two Corys, where oh, Corey Haim found out that they had made a Lost Boys sequel without him. Oh, they were going to, and then they brought him in at the last minute, and he fucked it all up. Yep. God, what a piece of shit. It's... Now, he's, now he's dead, so I feel bad. Yeah. That was the most scripted reality show in history, and somehow oh God, it so it's terrible. still a reality show that men just like kill a guy because it turns out you shouldn't do that to people. But and then change the tone of the show between season one and season two. Like try to play up the season one's almost like Saved by the Bell, and then season two's like fucking NYPD Blue as far as like the tone goes. <laughs> well it's just like what the fuck happened it was like this like goofy like bright colored like oh, the two Corys hanging out and then the second season was like on the next two Corys, a very serious it's just like what 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 happened is that there's two Corys, and when they found out one of them was using drugs again they're like we better start treating this shit a little more serious we could help him but instead eh. as producers of an air quotes reality tv show the saddest part of that season two was when he was all fucked up on the set of Lost Boys 2. Yeah. And he's trying to like get himself together and he's like, This is my character. I'm trying to whatever. And the producer has to be like, No, it's a character owned by Warner Brothers. And I'm just like, Oh, that's the saddest thing in the world. It was Yeah. 
It was really sad. It's the exact opposite of what we were saying about like the celebrities who just got rich and then we're like, fuck it, I'm just going to do whatever I want. It's like, yeah, the far end of that is Hollywood just fucks you up completely and effectively kills you. Yeah, so this is a uh, a glimpse into what you can look forward to next week. <laughs> Hope everyone wants to tune in. <laughs> Uh, all right. Do we want to talk about Moon Knight? I guess. No, we can't I, talk about the latest I, episode because Doug hasn't watched it. I don't know because you guys, you guys don't sound as positive on it as I am, making me sad. I'm not. I've I've been kind of bored with it up until, like I said, about the last ten minutes of this week's episode. But Doug hasn't seen that yet, so I, I wouldn't say I'm bored with what I have seen. I would say that I'm not as into it as I have been with some of the other stuff, and part of that is because I feel like with these TV shows, it's weirdly enough where you don't get enough time to get to know the characters, even though theoretically they have a lot more screen time. But when you compare that to like all the other shows where we at least know some of the characters going into it. So we get to get really get to know the other characters involved. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's interesting how segregated they're keeping it. Yeah. Everything else. I'm very curious how it ties in because if like Egyptian gods are real, then I don't understand how that can be. Because I mean, we already know that Norse gods are real. Now Egyptian gods are real too. Like, how many different sets of well, gods are just going to be floating around this universe at some point? I was, I was getting ready to say in the Marvel universe, all of them. Yeah. But for movie purposes. Does that end up fucking things up eventually? I don't see. I don't think so. I think once you bring in the multiversal stuff, you can always just go, oh, it's a dimensional thing. And then you just move on. Yeah, yeah that's going to be their excuse for everything now. I'm not sure I'm a big fan of that either. Like, I'm, I'm nervous that it's going to become overused and that all the stuff is going to feel like it has no stakes because <laughs> we're already dealing with like, you know, even even in Spider-Man Far From Home where they're like, this whole universe could collapse. And it's like, but there's so many other ones. Who really cares? It's like... It's like we can find one that's just close enough. Yeah. And that was the one thing Like I thought that the early parts of the MCU did was everything felt like it had stakes. Like sometimes they were destroying the planet. Other times it was just, you know, two dudes punching each other. But either way, it all felt like it had stakes. And if you lose that, then I think you start to make it all less interesting. Yeah. But we'll see. Maybe that's where I'm at with it. I don't know. Uh, We'll see. I think I'm still excited for the movies. This might be my least favorite of the TV shows so far, but I'm really sure. I wasn't that into Loki either. I like Loki. I think part of it is the same thing, though, is like they started bringing in all this stuff and they're like, oh, yeah, these infinity stones, these don't matter. We keep them in a drawer here. And I'm like, okay, so then nothing matters. So then why am I watching this? You know? I've just spent 10 years watching watching stories <laughs> on that were based on the assumption that those stones were really, really important. And you're just like, nah. I'm like, well, then can the alligator talk? I don't know. Well, I think it's kind of one of those. They do that in the comic books, too, where the whole point is they are very important in a particular context. Yeah. It in another context. They're not. Yes. So is this the end of our discussion on Moon Day? I mean, <laughs> is there anything is there anything specific that you think we should be discussing? No, because that's the other thing is it's now been 
couple weeks since I've seen anything Moon Knight related. So getting into really specific plot points might be a little difficult if nobody... I mean, the biggest thing that happened between those two episodes was that uh, they were trying to figure out a new way to find their way to the tomb. And they found a star map, but they would need to know what the stars looked like on one particular night. So Khonshu used his power to turn back the sky. And the other gods got all pissy and locked him up in a statue. Yeah, yeah. Which I, guess, which I guess, spoiler, dog. It's not like a huge deal, but that ef- effectively cut Moon Knight off from having his powers. Yeah. So he doesn't have a suit, and he doesn't have you know the strength and whatever else. So I find it, I guess, I find it just disjointing that the end of the first episode we don't see him really have any power till like the last ten seconds when he walks into frame. And then he has the suit and the power, but he doesn't really know how to use it for like the next two episodes. But then at the end of the third episode, he gets all that shit taken away again. And that's again, a weird journey to take on a character that you're just introducing for everybody. I don't know. I feel like they're trying to, the problem is, is so Oscar Isaac's one of the few people that they didn't loop into a giant contract. He's only contracted to make the, the six episodes of this show, which is a weird decision. Uh, but they're doing a character that has a long and kind of complicated and at times severely retconned history. And I feel like they're trying to do it all at once. So, yeah. And that's the, again, that's the big problem. Like I said, the last 10 minutes of this last episode. I thought it was fantastic. And I wanted that more of that sprinkled throughout the entire show. But yeah. Have you ever read that yeah. run of comic books? I have not really read a whole lot the, of the Lee Meyer Meyer run. No. Yeah. So. That, that particular run is so freaking good. It's like, it starts with moon Knight number one. And I think it was part of the all new, all different Marvel initiative or whatever it was called. Whatever garbage that was. Yeah, but it, it basically that's the way that entire run of comic books start. It starts with uh, him in a mental hospital and you're trying to figure out if he's crazy or not, basically. See, that sounds interesting to me. Maybe that would be an interesting way to introduce this character. Well, that's that's what I was kind of I've, I've said for years. The way they could do a movie is you just have to tell the movie from the perspective of a person that's losing their mind. You know what I mean? So you never know. You don't know if it's real or not at any given moment. Almost like memento superhero style. Yeah. Which they kind of did that with that Legion show on FX. Right. Although less cartoony with Moon Knight. Definitely where he's schizophrenic, but has like a, psychic mind even more powerful than professor x and how that sort of combination like right fuck somebody up i always told people i always had this uh vision in my head of what a moon knight thing would look like and you have it almost like cartoony and overly cgi'd whenever it's showing it from his perspective 
and then just have brief moments where it cuts and it, you know, you just see this dude in this shitty homemade costume, just beating the ever living fuck out of somebody in an alley. And then it cuts back to, you know, the pow bang superhero fight, you know? (laughs) So that's what you need James Gunn for. Right. Just combine parts of his movie super into, into the Marvel type stuff. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Exactly. Yeah. Have it cut back and forth between being super and being a actual superhero show, depending on which perspective you're looking at it. Yeah. See, that'd be fun. And I don't feel like we're getting that either. Like I thought the Jason Bourne type stuff where he blacks out and has no idea like what the fuck just happened would be fun, but I don't feel like they've done nearly as much with that as I had hoped. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out who the third personality is supposed to be, because if the third personality is who it is in the comic book, he's a cab driver, which that can't possibly make sense, seeing how now they've hinted at the fact that he can murder people just as well as Mark can. Well, some of the videos I've watched said that Jacob is like the darkest of all of his personalities in the comics. Again, I have no idea. I haven't read them, but so. I mean, I I guess kind of, kind of, sort of, but not really. I don't know. It's interesting. I thought the most interesting thing they've done so far with the character that isn't the way it works in the comic books is the idea that Mark becomes Moon Knight whenever he summons the suit and Stephen becomes Mr. Knight whenever he summons the suit. Yeah, which that's a lot of fun. Yeah, I thought that was a good way of doing that. Yeah, I think that's a good idea, but again, I just I feel like we need it to be more of a we need more of that. Less of whatever else, right? Yeah. Like I understand the desire to have a more developed bad guy and to have a deeper backstory, but part of me is like we just need to get to know this character more. Like it's not right. a character we're familiar with. So maybe the whole show isn't an origin story, but give us more time with him just doing his thing. Right. Yeah. Well, and yeah, part of, part of the problem, too, is them spending so much time with Oscar Isaac out of the suit yeah. in which Moon Knight, one of the things that sells Moon Knight comics is that he actually looks fucking cool. He's one of the few superheroes that his fucking superhero costume is fucking dope. Like he looks yeah. awesome. He's not some weird primary colored golden age superhero, and he's not some ultra gritty looking Batman guy. Instead, he's got this cool, sleek, white, wild fucking Egyptian themed madness going on. Yeah, like I when I saw the trailer for this and it kind of ends with that shot, which I think was from episode one of him, like just kneeling over in the suit, pounding on that guy. I'm like, oh, this is what I want. I want him in the suit like every episode is he's not in the suit then he has to put on the suit and fight a guy kind of thing right and we're not really getting that we're not getting much of that at all Agreed. yeah like i said i'm like I, I like it it could be better uh but i think part of the problem is that it sure feels non-committal right so they <laughs> they did a whole lot of non-committal things with this show and then the show feels non-committal and you're like okay well that's what you get for pulling back you should have went balls deep in it yeah. yeah. Well, because, yeah, if they were confident that this character's story was going to get to continue, then they could probably um, spend more time on the getting to know him stuff, right? Because then they could deal with villains in season two or 
as a B plot to one of the other movies or something like that, right? Right. I just think it's weird, like, because we, we end in a certain place in this last episode that you're like, oh, fuck, this could, like, change up everything. I can't wait to see what they're going to do next episode. And then you realize, oh, shit, there's only two more episodes left in the entire series. So, I guess, what the fuck are they going to do now? I don't know. I, I almost wonder if this series isn't going to end with Mark dying. Um, it would be a, it'd be a weird decision, but I could see it in them going with uh, what's her face and doing the female version of Moon Knight in the greater MCU. Yeah. But that wouldn't be good because once again, one of the few things that makes Moon Knight real interesting is all his mental illness in the female version. I don't think has all that. I don't know. I don't know anything about the character, but it would explain why we're spending so much time on her. Because quite frankly, I, that was one of the things I was going to say. Like you could, to a certain extent, you could take her out and then give us more time with the characters that matter more to the plot. Yeah. I don't know. Let's see how the next two play out, I guess. I mean, it's still, it's not bad. I feel like we're saying a bunch of negative stuff about it. At the end of the day, I'm still going to watch every episode. Oh, for sure. And I'm right. not, it's not like, you know, in a world where Morbius just came out, to be complaining about this oh is God. a little facetious. You know what I mean? <laughs> that is true. You just turned me around by mentioning Morbius. I just, I know they don't like retreading old ground, but I wish they would have gone season one daredevil violent for the fights and stuff. Yeah, it's probably not going to happen now that Disney has full control. Well, which is weird because in some ways they went harder with it. You know what I mean? Because there's been a bunch of blood and I think he said fuck in an episode, which that kind of caught me off guard. I was like, whoa, Disney threw a fuck in. Yeah, that might have to do with the fact that they've decided to do um, the fact that they've decided to do two versions of it, basically. So maybe we're getting that stuff and that it's going to be edited out for the kid version of Disney plus. Yeah. Like a self censoring. Yeah. yeah. So that might, which could be a good thing. Cause it could mean that we're going to get more hard R stuff that they then just edit down, which is fine by me. As long as I still get to see the good part. And now it's, I mean, it's officially that Disney and et cetera are finally starting to run Netflix out of business. So we're we're going to maybe see them take over completely now and have a lot more a lot more different content because they're realizing that they're not going to be able to own the market. Good times. All right. Anything else about Moon Knight before we pack it in? No, I don't even think that conversation was technically about Moon Knight. I don't either. <laughs> We'll see. Well, I mean, the next episode is the penultimate episode, so we're winding it down pretty fast. Looking forward to Doctor Strange. Fuck yeah. Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater. And now, folks, it's time to say goodnight. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night. Good night.